The message today is entitled, We Shall See Jesus. Now, I want to make a disclaimer right here at the front of the message for some of you that will be shocked on the, on the subject of the day. Because you thought it was Veterans Day, and I'm going to preach on the resurrection of Jesus. And so you think, oh, I thought it was Veterans Day, not Easter. Because you see, as our people that know me the most know, that a couple of years ago, God did a work in my heart that I will never get over till I die. And what that is, is I am totally convinced, and you won't change my mind, that the church and Christians have forgotten whose kids we are, and the resurrection of Jesus is preached in most churches one time a year on Easter Sunday. We preach on an open tomb and sing He Lives and then go home and that's Easter. The one thing that makes Christianity different from all the religions of the world is Jesus is alive. He is risen as he said. And the devil has, has put a blanket over the church and said, I'll let you do it one time a year, but don't get carried away with it. But folks, without the resurrection, the cross has lost its meaning. The church has lost its meaning. And we, of all people, are most miserable because our hope is built of nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness and that he was buried on Friday and he rose from the grave on Sunday morning. And he is alive. I challenge you ladies to get with all your friends and see how many pieces of jewelry that they have of the resurrection of Jesus. And you'll see many crosses and no resurrection. That's how subtle Satan is. One day we're going to see him. How do you know that, preacher? Because he's alive. The same Jesus that said that he died for sin and would rise from the grave rose from that grave. And he is alive. And that message must be proclaimed to the world. Jesus is risen. Say it with me. Jesus is risen. Say it louder. Jesus is risen. And I want you to look at what that means to us. If you're defeated today, you're disappointed, you're wanting to give up on life, you're wanting to just walk out on whatever mess you are in, I want you to know there is one that is alive that's willing to live in your life and it will become closer than a brother to you if you'll just let him come in. So listen to the scripture. In 1 John, third chapter, Verse 1, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him 
purifies himself even as he, the risen Lord, is pure. That's the Word of God. That is the Scripture. That is the message. Jesus cannot come again if he's dead. He's coming back again because he is risen as he said. And he said to us, if you, my children, will understand that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for I am with you. And I will not leave you, and I will not forsake you. I am stronger than anything, including Satan, the Lord would say to us. When I died on that cross and shed my blood, Satan lost his power. The power is in the blood. And the proof is in the resurrection. And so I want you to think with me. 2,000 years ago, we'll have to go back. And the news came out of the Middle East. It was not of terrorism or riots or death or destruction, but rather truth. The news that came out of the Middle East was Jesus has risen like he said. Jesus is alive. He came out of that grave and he lives today. Jesus on Sunday morning did only what the scripture said he would do and the Father promised he would do. He came out of the grave. Could I just let each of us be reminded of something? If God tells you something, you can believe it. Now, if you don't believe it, it doesn't change it. Because what he says is truth. You don't have to believe it. You can believe anything you want to. That's the freedom that we have. But if, if we believe it, what a change. What a change. 2,000 years ago, history changed. Emphasis moved from the past to the future. We have four letters. B.C., A.D. On resurrection morning, B.C. became A.D. We don't live in 2017, B.C. We live in 2017, what? A.D. He is risen. He is alive. Does that help any of you when you watch the 6 o'clock news and the 10 o'clock news? And you shake your head like everybody else you run with and say, I just don't know what in the world is going on in our world. Let me tell you what's going on in our world. Exactly what the Scripture prophesied. But in the background of all believers is the absolute fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And he's coming back to this earth again. And when all of those things that are prophesied in the Scripture are fulfilled, a trumpet will blow, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and they'll go to meet the Lord in the air as he descends from heaven, exactly like the Scripture said. When Jesus went to the cross, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. 
when he went to the cross, every detail of the prophecy of the Old Testament was fulfilled, including resurrection morning. You know, Jesus went through six trials, if you read the scripture, six, six. And then there was an execution witnessed by hundreds, maybe thousands. Then there was a burial. That was Friday. But on Sunday morning, history changed. He is risen as he said. That was what the angel said to the world. If I'm talking to someone today and you are hopeless and helpless, and you feel like that everything has passed you by and there's nothing worth living for, I want to encourage you, there's something worth living for. The big day is coming. Because the prophecies that have been fulfilled are history. But there's another one. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Wake up the person beside you and tell them, Jesus is coming again. Think about it. I mean, when you get around Veterans Day, there might be a lot of trumpets blowing and you can get nervous. <laughs> you, you wonder, you know, is that Tabs or is that the one? Is that the big one? Because Jesus is coming again. You know, when you think about Easter, boy, we keep our kids really confused about Easter. And I know a lot of parents don't like this kind of talk, but the kids aren't here. But you know, we teach our kids that a male rabbit goes around laying colored eggs <laughs> in places where it's hard to find. I mean, just imagine how intelligent our kids are on that one and how much they learn by doing that. But after all, isn't that what it's about? No, that's not what it's about, folks. That's not what it's about. Easter is about the fact that Jesus is risen and he's alive. He doesn't hide eggs. He saves souls. He gives people eternal life. You don't have to wait for an egg to hatch. You just have to be born again. And we need to get our minds on the fact that we're going to live forever. We are going to live forever. You say, I don't believe in the resurrection. You are going to live forever. You'll just have a different geography in which to live. But we will live forever. You know, this confuses a lot of people when you start talking about forever. I mean, we talk about 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, 2,000 years. But forever. In 1994, this went, a lot of people have heard this, but uh, there was a Miss USA pageant, and Miss Alabama was asked, and here was a question, if you could live forever, would you, and why? <laughs> that was the question. Are you ready for this answer? I hope I read it right. If you could live forever, would you, and why? Here's her answer. I would not live forever because we should not live forever. Because if we were supposed to live forever, then we would live forever. But we cannot live forever, which is why I would not live forever. 
Woo. I don't know what she was studying at, at the university, but whatever. But you know, we laugh at that, but that's sort of like most of us. We can't comprehend forever. We, we, we try to get a grasp on 65 so we can get our check, or 100 so we can be one of the minority that makes that, but forever and forever and forever. But you know what? Even though I think that she was a little confused that day, probably nervous, but you know what? When we get in God's Word, we can understand forever. We can not only understand it, we can believe it. But it's in the Word of God. You know why? God's Word promises we will live forever. We will never die. The grave is temporary. It is a resting place. But when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. And so shall we ever be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. You know, when God created the world, he wanted a family. He created the world, and you remember the day came? After all the animals? And by the way, if you look at all that God created before he created Adam and Eve, he made most of it for Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve was going to need all of that. Aren't you glad that God made plenty of groceries? and grew that stuff, and now we can go to H-E-B or Kroger or whatever. But the great day was when God breathed into man's nostrils and man became a living soul. And then his wife, Eve, and God put them in this glorious place that was perfect in every single way, and everything that was needed was put in place. And there was only one sin. Don't do the eating of the fruit. That's it. One ten, there was one. One thing in a perfect environment, and man messed up. Hard to believe, isn't it? But that is the fact. But God wanted a family. So he made Adam, he made Eve, and he said, be fruitful and do what? Multiply and go and fill the world with my family. And so every time a baby is born, God wants that baby to be in the family and protects that baby until it reaches the age of accountability where it knows there is a God, but it sinned against, we willfully sin against that God, then they're held accountable. God wants you in heaven, friend. You said, nobody likes me, nobody wants me. Oh, yes. Yes, there is. God wants you. God has a plan for you in heaven, just like he does here. Somebody told me one time that when I get to heaven, that I'm going to be given the opportunity to tell all the people in heaven about the flood in 1979 in Sagemont, and that I'll speak right after Noah. I mean, that was a big day for us in Sagemont, and I can just see Noah say, sit down, let me tell about the big boy. Let me tell him what a flood is like. And you know what? Whenever you are born in a Christian home, and you're just taught the Word of God and you're loved, boy, you're so blessed. I was one of those spoiled kids. God spoiled me as a baby, gave me a wonderful 
place to live and grow up and so forth. But you know something? For those of you that weren't, God loves you just as much as anybody else. Amen? And you say, well, I don't understand it. I'll tell you what. When you haven't been loved and you start being loved, you understand what love is and that God is love. It changes your life. And you realize you matter to God and nobody has your thumbprint. You are one of a kind. But God wants you to be who you are. And we're living in a culture now when we want to be like everybody else. We don't have any that want to be leaders. We have people that want to be followers. And so when the culture change, they change. And it gets worse and worse and worse. God wanted a family. And God wants you and me to be a part of that family. But we have to be willing for him to adopt us into his family. Let me read to you from Colossians 1.16. For by him, capital H, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And that includes us. God made us for him. And we are all, again, unique. And once you understand this scripture, you will never feel insignificant again. Once you understand that God loves you as he made you and has a plan for your life, when no one else seems to want you to be in their group, God says, I want you in my family. And I want to bless you in a way that doesn't look like a blessing right now, but you will be able to share with others what it was like and what a wonderful change in my life was wrought when Jesus came into my heart. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we see that. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, but it didn't know him. Beloved, we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. That's our assignments. Follow him. Confess sin, repent of sin, be washed in the blood, clean up and move forward. And so today, even though it's not Easter Sunday, our focus is upon the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It was the love of God that reached out to you veterans. It wasn't Sage My Church, it was the love of God. Through these men and their families, that's what Christianity is all about. We're not better than anybody. We're just as bad as everybody else. But we've been washed in the blood. We weren't chosen to be washed in the blood because the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin and all sinners can be cleansed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when that happens, good things began to take place. Most of us know John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. How many of you know 1 John 
3.16. It's a different book, okay? Can I read it to you? By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. That we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's 1 John 3.16. They kind of go together, don't they? Interesting how it kind of falls in there. If you remember the 316, you can get there. But you see that love is who God is. God is love. We can't love. We can lust without God, but we can't love without God. When you love people, you love them as they are, where they are, and with the love that is in you, you love them to help them become what God wants them to be, because we were all born sinners, and nobody taught us to sin, so we're all born sinners, but we're wanting to move in the likeness of God, and the Scripture says one day we will be like him. We shall see him as he is. Anybody here thinking, boy, I know three or four people. I just can't wait to see them when they're that way because I put, I put up with them the other way for a long time. That would truly be a miracle. Well, just hang on because it is a miracle. That borrowed grave, the nail-scarred hand lifted out to the disciples, look, look, this is how much I love you, Thomas. This is how much. Put your hand in my side. This is how much I love you. The crown of thorns on his head, blood coming down, thorns by his eyes. When he looks at, at you or you look at a painting of that, you just must understand and I must understand that is God telling you, this is how much I love you. This is how much I love you. I laid down my life. I could have called 10,000 angels. The Father gave me that power, but I chose to die on a cross for your sin. And look at my feet. Look at the nails in my feet and my side that has been ripped open so you could be born again. What a mighty God we serve. The Roman soldiers that were there shook their head. The veterans, one in particular, who had seen many, many people crucified. He was at the execution of many. He said, I've never seen anybody die like this man. Truly, he must be the Son of God. We're living in a day, friend, that the only way that we can live is in the power of his might or lose it all. As long as God's children can walk in the power of his might, surrounded by the angels and surrounded by the arms of God and the love of God, only in that way can we survive. But he that's in us is alive, and he's greater than anything else. That's the message I want us to hear. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Those of you that are fathers, those of you that are mothers, isn't there always a little bit of pride when we say, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my grandson, that's my granddaughter, that's my great-grandson, that's my great-granddaughter. 
There's a little bit there, isn't there? A little bit of me in there, you know, that kind of thing. But think about it. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. And that resurrected Jesus lives in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And everything that belongs to the Father now belongs to his kids. And that includes eternal life. Every gift, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son in order that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For those of you that have never asked the Lord into your life, you say, I didn't know I was on the invitation list. Oh, yes, you were. But you've run around with a lot of people that have hid the list from you. You haven't seen it. Your name is on the list of whosoever will can be born again. Whosoever will can have a brand new life in Jesus. Whosoever will can come and drink of the water freely. You say, I lost everything in Harvey. No, you didn't. If you're a child of God, you have not lost everything. He that's in you is greater than everything you lost. If you're a believer. But if you're not a believer, it's just more stuff you've lost and more stuff you've lost. And one day you will actually lose your life and soul. If you don't confess, you're on the wrong road, going the wrong way. Men, it's harder for us than it is, is for women. <clears throat> you say, what's the evidence on that? Just ride with a man. Ride with me. When I get lost, I drive faster. <laughs> if there's a lady in the car, she says, why don't you stop and ask somebody? No. I'm a man. I know I'll get there faster. Well, if it's behind you, you got a 25,000-mile trip, if my geography is right. But God looks at us and says, listen, you may ask this question. What will people think of me if I become a believer? Can I let you know a little secret? They're not thinking about you, period. <laughs> they could care less. Don't have such an arrogant attitude that I think everybody's wondering whether I'm going to get saved or not. Nobody cares but the believers and they won't adopt you in the family. And the reason we care is because God lives in us. And the God that's in us wants to bring you into the family. Okay? Well, how, how will I be able to answer the ones who make fun of me if I become a Christian? Let God do that. He can wipe the smile off their face. Well, well how can I live in victory over all these sins because I've been in it so long? You know what the Lord say? I'm in you now, and the one that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. If you'll just walk off and say, Lord, take this old filthy sin out of my life. Help me put this down. Change my vocabulary. Change my places I go. Change my way of thinking. Change my heart. You do it. And the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. That's the answer. That is the hope. That is the hope. One of the hardest things for Christians, I think, sincere Christians that know all the sin in our life, past and present, how could God love us so much to lavish his blessings on us? 
I hope I'm not talking to anybody today think you deserve the blessings of God. None of us do. None are righteous. No, not one. You know the reason that some are saved and some aren't? We just accepted the gift. We weren't any better than anybody else. We just accepted the gift. You know why there's comfort in some and there's not in others? Because God lives in some and God doesn't live in others. Why do some handle this or handle that differently? Some are believers and some are not. Sometimes people ask the question, why don't people of the world understand we Christians? Why do they want to kill us? Why do they want to make fun of us? Why, why do they want to do whatever they can to belittle us, curse us, or whatever? Why? I don't know. But I do know this. They did the same thing to Jesus. I don't know why. What do you think God has done to you to let you put damn after his name? when you hit a golf ball the wrong direction. What causes that? Oh, it's just my Greek. No, it isn't your Greek. It's your sin. God's name at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. But you see, we're in that bondage. We can't break. We can't stop. We can't quit. Why? Because we've tried to go against Satan by ourselves, and you can't go against Satan by yourself. You've got to let go and let God. They, the, the scripture says in 1 John 1, they do not know us. I'm talking about the world because they don't know Jesus. That's the answer. See, they saw Jesus as a heretic. They saw him as a liar. They saw him as an impersonator. They saw him as a false teacher. They saw him as a condemner. They saw him as a lawgiver. Well, how do you see him? Can I tell you how I see him? I see him as a savior, a comforter, a redeemer, a provider, a perfect father, a rewarder, a great physician, the rock of ages, a pearl of great price, a righteous judge, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Sovereign One, the Messiah, the Resurrected Lord, the Conqueror, the Overcomer, the Living Water, the Righteous One, the Altogether Lovely, and the Unconditional Lover, and He's Omniscient, and He's Omnipresent, and we could go on, but time is gone. Jesus is Lord, and He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your father. He wants to adopt you. He wants to fight your battles for you. And he wants to lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake with a promise I will never withhold any good thing from you if you'll just walk with me. Get out of the line. Quit betting the odds when it's 1,000%. God has never turned a sinner away ever and he never will so if you feel like a loser you can become a winner today amen, amen. believers amen. amen yes there's not a person here that wants your life including this preacher 
on that screen? No, sir. But God knows everything I ever did and everything I ever thought about doing. But you know what? He loves me anyway. Just like he loves you. Don't you wish you could forget sometimes? That's when people drink and do drugs. No, they're trying to forget, try to forget. You know what? Let the blood come in. Let Jesus come in. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Well, the world doesn't understand this, never will, so quit trying to convince them. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you read the Bible? Why do you give? Why do you give money when you don't have to? I mean, you have to pay your taxes, but you don't have to give to the Lord. Why do you do that? Well, that's for another day. But you know what? The world knows nothing or very little of the happiness that real Christians have in their life. They just don't get it. They don't understand how can you go through what you're going through without getting mad at God and mad at the world and getting angry and getting drunk and getting on drugs and on and on and on. But my dear friend, this life is not easy, not even for believers. But when we come to that point, when adversity comes, and when the power of darkness leans against us, when we realize that he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world, and he'll never leave his kids, good things happen. Oh, Job, 14th chapter, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. He said in the 19th chapter, you remember he lost his family, he lost everything he had, his health, his wealth, he lost everything. And here's what he said in the 19th chapter of Job. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, who I will see for myself. Wow, that's before Jesus was ever born. God was speaking through that man. David, Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I will behold your faith in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. Isaiah, chapter 25, He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Ezekiel chapter 37. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves. I'll cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. For O my people and brought you up out of your grave. This is pre-resurrection by hundreds of years, and they're already telling what's going to happen when Jesus comes back again. We could go on and on and on. Daniel chapter 12. And many of them sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Hosea, 13th chapter, 14th verse. O grave, I will be your destruction. Matthew 22, 32. God is not the God of the dead, but he's a God of the living. I love that one. 
John 5, verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I've got more. My time is gone. Do you believe it or not? Your call. Your call. May I say to those of you that are non-believers, the older you are, the less chance or the odds, as they would say in the world, that you'll ever become a believer. The devil has wrecked and ruined everything about your life and you are so mad but you're not mad at the devil you're mad at God and you're rejecting God who wants to bring you out of the pits of hell into his glorious light would you do it today would you come would you receive him as your Lord and Savior would you invite him to come and say dear God Come into my life and save me right now. I want to be one of your kids. I want to be in the family. I want your unspeakable mercy. And I want to quit indulging in the things of the world and live for you as long as I possibly can and spend my eternity with you. When Jesus rose from the grave, everything changed in his life, and it'll change in yours and in mine. When he came out of that grave, the Roman soldiers ran, and every enemy ran, because Jesus is Lord.